Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from sorry servants to savage spiders, and today we're talking about satyrs. All right, Brian. It's talk, time. Tell me about satyrs. We're going to talk about satyrs. Uh, so satyrs are also known as fawns. Um, they are fey humanoids with a reputation for singing, merrymaking, and debauchery. Uh, they're based directly on their Greek mythological counterpart, also known as satyrs, or as the Romans called them, fawns. Um, and they're depicted as exclusively male. Okay. So, yeah. That's odd. The original depiction, well, it is. And I mean, it's because mythologically they were exclusively male or we're about to get in it I mean, that's into fine. It. but let's yeah. le- level with me will it's, yeah. it's a little like fucking horse guy it's it's odd um i mean they're they're half goat <laughs> half, they're half goat, goat. and yes they Not are horse. very odd the question well stuff is I, done. It's actually the fact that you say horse is very pertinent to what i'm about to tell you tell me so the original depictions of satyrs of greek folklore do not too closely resemble the half man half goat image uh recognized in pop culture today originally they were said to be human looking with horse ears and horse tails uh, they were comically bestial and ugly, like in their facial features. Okay. Um, they had wild mane-like hair, and they had permanent exaggerated erections. Oh, permanent. <laughs> okay. They're constantly at the doctor for that. Constantly like it's been at four the hours. Doctor. I have to it's go. It's been four hours for a very fucking long time. <laughs> um, so satyrs were originally characterized as wild, crass, and animalistic in behavior. They are often depicted trying to seduce women and nymphs, like. Excessively and with very, very little success. Okay, that tracks. Um, They were essentially a punchline to comical short stories and plays. Um, 
for me, this is just off the cuff me thinking of they're probably like a, a portrayal of like what they see is like civilized society in the Greeks versus like the barbarians of like all the tribes outside of like the Greek empire. Okay. That's just my hot take right there. Sure. Like that's what I think they're analogous with. Anyways, as time went on, the mythos of the satyrs slowly morphed. Their more humanistic traits began to be accentuated while their more primal nature was downplayed. Uh, their look also began to change with de- when depictions began to conflate with uh, the ancient Greek god of Pan. So basically the Romans were really... One of the big things about the Romans is they really idolize and put up on a pedestal Greek culture and Greek ideas. So they took a lot of Greek stuff, turned it into Roman stuff. But right. The problem is, like, there's a huge gap of time between the Roman Empire and, the, and the, the time of the Greeks. So a lot of stuff got, like, mistranslated or misconstrued. And so the the depiction of satyrs got conflated with the depictions of the Greek god Pan, who is the god of the wild, oh, uh, the I mountains, see. and the rustic ma- music. Okay. And he himself looks like what we consider to be a satyr now. And so they end up becoming one and the same thing. And by the time of the Renaissance, like that was the uh, de facto satyr look, depiction, folklore, and mythos. Okay, so they're basically drawing like almost Pan. Pretty much Basically, the drawing pan, calling it a satyr, and it behaves somewhere in between the two. Okay. So there it is. So a D&D satyr is a pleasure-loving fey humanoid that resembles a stout human male with the hindquarters of a goat. Um, they have thick, well-groomed facial hair and two goat horns atop their head. Uh, different sources illustrate them in varying states of goat-to-man ratio. Okay. Like some will be like super like bestial, even like oh, their shoulders will be like covered in hair and like oh. their face will even have like some goat-like facial features. But uh, most of the uh, source books settle on a happy medium of around Mr. Tumnus levels of man to goat ratio. Right. I was about so, to yeah. Mr. Tumnus it up in here. Exactly. You've done it. So. I've done it. There it is. It's already been done. You can't. I was going <laughs> to make a reference to like Hercules. I was like, you can see that guy's nipples. But yeah, not Mr. Tumnus. Mr. Tumnus is a saint. It's true. So, satyrs <laughs> have a well-known uh, reputation of being hedonistic seducers, smooth talkers, and charlatans. But this is only a half-deserved reputation. Satyrs are motivated by curiosity and epicureanism in equal measure. It's not just one or the other. All satyrs possess mischievous and investigative souls tinged with a fey otherworldly mindedness. So they kind of got that blue-orange morality going on. They have a natural sense of wonder regarding the world around them, and they're compelled to explore and experience that world and to share that experience with all whom they meet. Uh, They all have a burning desire to see, touch, and know things. A satyr might say that they prize beauty above all things, Uh, beauty in music, beauty of the morning mists, of blossoming flowers, of uh, an epic story being told, or of beautiful women. All, okay. of, all of these things are inspiring to satyrs, and they sing and tell stories about all these things. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So they're, 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 they're playing pan flute. In D- oh, very D- much D- so. Lore. As a matter of fact, there's a whole variant thing in the Monster Manual that involves uh, satyr pipes. Like barding around, pretty much. Barding around, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say like 90% of your satyrs are going to be bards. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But yeah. So um, in their curious pursuit of beauty and inspiration comes their reputation for hedonistic revelry. Satyrs crave the strongest of drink, the most fragrant of spices, the most delectable of food, and the most dizzying of dances. Remember, they want to experience, and they want to experience all of it, and they want to experience uh, much of it. So, yeah, a satyr unable to indulge in these delights finds themselves excuse me, feeling starved and bored. 
And due to their blue-orange morality, they're willing to go to questionable lengths to sate their desires. Okay. Because they just don't see the world the same way. So a satyr might hear um, of a master minstrel, and he might hear this master play a beautiful song and then decide to temporarily kidnap them so that they can dance and sing to their heart's delight. Oh, man. Uh, A satyr might infiltrate a heavily guarded uh, fortress to gaze upon and woo a beautiful man or woman. Or, or straight, like, infiltrate, uh, like, a place with, like, a delicious feast going on and be like, yo, this is mine, and then just dipping out with it. They, like, ninja into places, and then they're like, yeah. hey, baby. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like Johnny Bravo. This. Let me pay this. <laughs> hey, mama. Yeah, basically. Play this pan flute. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, satyrs never allow a festivity to pass them by, and will find any excuse to celebrate. They partake in almost any holiday that they've ever heard of, and a well-traveled enough satyr may find that the Civilizations of the world have enough festivals and holidays to justify literal nonstop celebration. Okay. Um, satyrs also have an inexplicable ability to passively infect those around them with the same he- hedonistic pro- uh, proclivity. <laughs> so sometimes this is like literally magically induced. This all depends on your lore. So sometimes it's literally magically induced through like music that they play or sing. It's just literally charms and affects people to act outside of their norms. Right. Uh, sometimes it's just like this charismatic aura about them that just kind of affects people. But regardless, those around a carousing satyr will feel themselves inspired to drink and to dance and to sing as well. This effect can be so powerful as to leave those affected mystified at their own behavior afterwards. Like, what was I thinking? (laughs) Why was I dancing with Faye Johnny Bravo? Yeah, exactly. And why did I love it so much? Why were there like nine of them? They all look the same. I hate Johnny Bravo. I hate Johnny Bravo. <laughs> so depending on the setting and lore, a satyr on a traveling rampage of revelry may or may not leave a slew of pregnancies in his wake. Oh, no. Um, most lore actually says no. A satyr is only born of a union between a satyr and a dryad. Um, other lore says half satyrs are a thing and thus like they can't come about. And other lore states that satyrs breed true, that any child born from any union a satyr makes will be uh, a satyr. And that young satyr child will then be spirited away by the father to join the clan. Oh, man. Yeah. So So take your pick on the lore that you want. I personally like the idea of unions uh, between satyrs and non-dryads producing no children and satyrs actually being like the scapegoats. Pardon the pun. Uh, ex- accused. I will not. Yeah. <laughs> accused when unexpected pregnancies happen. Due to, whether it's like due to infidelity or or whatever other issues come up. You know, maybe it's like a young girl and the parents get upset. So the girl's like, oh, it was the satyrs. Like, it just feels like a very human thing to do, to blame those weird foreigners that roam through a town. Because uh, human beings are flawed like that. Look, doesn't he look like, my kid looks like Johnny Bravo? <laughs> yeah. He can't it, possibly be a yeah, normal guy. Right. There you go. <laughs> so that's, that's the lore I kind of would roll with because it just feels feels real to me and also like i don't like this idea of like my the state of my world i want to be blue orange morality and mm-hmm. i don't i want them to be chaotic neutral and i don't want them to be so nasty as to just be leaving a slew of pregnancies in their wake oh in my, my world God. but that's just me so you're basically you're home bringing the boner out the constant boner no, well, I mean, the concept boner is not part of the the lore. Let's just oh, I've been operating there. on that. No, <laughs> no, that's that's the Greek mythology. Oh, okay. So we gotta. So the no, so, they do not have a constant boner. So Again, they're, they're the, the heating the, the coast homebrewed the boner. Indeed, out. they did. Okay, the hedonistic reputation again is only half earned. Mm. It's not quite fully earned. And with that being said, let's take a short rest. Yeah. Selling a little 
or a lot? <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the part of the episode we're not talking about the last thing we're talking about. We're talking about this new thing, and it comes from my heart. Oh, it's coming out. It's love. It's everywhere. Oh, God, Will. It's all over the desk. I'm not doing this with you. <laughs> But yes, I love you, audience, and I'm sorry for Brent's behavior. I'm going to get a towel. <laughs> um, we have a merch store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. We totally have a merch store. It's on teespring.com. Uh, the link will be in the description, but uh, URL is teespring.com slash store slash the hyphen DungeonCast, and you can get really cool DungeonCast t-shirts there. We got the old school logo. We got the new thumbnail logo. We got Super Quest Saga logo. We got the TDC Plays logo. But wait, there's more. And we got mugs. That's right. Yeah. Also with all those same logos. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, if you want to rep your Dungeon Cast uh, uh, gear, go there. The the merch store is like its own plane of existence that will constantly reshape and change. It's very true. As we develop new things to sell, it's very true. New new stylistic. It's, a, it's our art. own little pocket dimension that we developed. Yes, uh, pocket hole. <laughs> Indeed. Did you <laughs> want to tell our audience about the crack and die contest? You can win one from us. It's going to be a forty millimeter giant metal crack and die that. Um, <laughs> If you scope the short rest of our of our Kraken episode, you can get the details there, or you can get them right now because I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Go to Instagram, the Dungeon Cast, and there's a post with the contest details. Basically, all you have to do is comment on that post and tag two people that you know on Instagram and can tag, or you uh, can enter twice for this contest. There's another way to enter. Will. Yeah, if you go on Twitter and go ahead and share a link to the show, it could be this show or it could be SuperQuest Saga. Either way, hashtag DungeonCast or SuperQuest, and that'll be an entry for this contest. And again, I think on June 13th, we'll be drawing a name from the pot, and whoever we draw is going to win a Metal Kraken D20 die. Yeah, they're super cool. I love them. Indeed. I, I don't actually, like, I want to. I want another one. Really well, we badly. have we have big crack and die, but I don't think ours are metal. No, but I. But they I've, are really nice, I've and I really one. really oh, like God. mine. Yeah. yeah, I want it. Um, but you can get it. I can't get it. Not through this contest. I have to like <laughs> just buy. <them. laughs> can we go back to the show? Let's go back to the show. Are we back? I'm back. We've returned. We've returned. Hello, everyone. So let's talk about Seder Society. I'd like that. Okay. They live in the Fey? Uh, yeah, they can. So Satyrs uh, roam in the Fey Wilds or in the wild woods and meadowlands of the Prime Material Plane. Um, they live in small groups of anywhere from half a dozen to two dozen Satyrs called a band or a clan, but I prefer band, especially since they're so musically associated. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So among a band of Satyrs, the physically strongest is considered to be in charge. This is decided in an annual contest called uh, The Rut. The Rut is a trial of elimination through barehanded combat among all mature members of the band. It is held every spring. Um, these battles are never overly brutal uh, or deadly. That's almost never deadly um, because their intent is to simply humble the loser and acknowledge the superiority of the winner. Once the overall winner is established, the band celebrates with drink and song. It's all a happy affair. It's, it's a lot open, of fun. Open hand only. Yeah, open hand. And they, they allow horn. They allow like ramming and stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. It cool. gets a little crazy. So it's the, a little crazy. So but, one guy's like yeah. changed up his tactics. He's like slapping a guy until he runs away and then he just like rams him down. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And everyone has a laugh at it. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's like uh, really it's like sumo wrestling, but not so big. But, no, but not. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So the leader of a band of satyrs has no official title, uh, but when dealing with other races, satyrs will refer to him as their chief. OK. Um, the societal conditioning can actually bleed over into a satyr's relationship with other races. So a satyr who joins an adventuring group may wish to rut for leadership of the group. <laughs> okay. Until this happens and the satyr is either humbled or, or maybe not humbled. Who knows? Maybe you lose. That would suck. Um, <laughs> he, the satyr might not take well to being ordered around until this whole rut thing happens. It's like, okay. who are you ordering me around? I'm a satyr. I'm dope. It's a pecking order. It's a pecking order. They need a pecking order. They need a pecking but order. But they don't need to. But they're socially uh, conditioned to want one. Okay. So, unless, of course, they weren't raised with the banished satyrs, in which case that would be the case. But anyways. You can also initiate one of these uh, one of these little bouts. What is it called? The ram? The rut. The rut. The yeah. rut. You can initiate a rut if you accidentally touch boners when you're, like, turning around. <laughs> Again, no boners. Oh. No I'm boners. sorry. I, I'm sorry. St- okay. I'm stuck anyways. on that. 
when it comes to religion, um, <laughs> satyrs are not a particularly uh, pious bunch, but they do honor two deities fairly regularly. Uh, the first being Pan. We okay, talked about I was going to say, isn't Pan a god? Yeah, in yeah. D and D, especially in the earlier like uh, edition one, had a tendency to be like, "Fuck, making up our own gods. We're just going to grab fucking." Pan- we got uh, all these. Yeah, exactly. I, I literally think the easiest way to make a pantheon is to like rip one and then just rename make everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what I did with my uh, my old campaign campaign setting. Is I took the Dawn War pantheon mm-hmm. and made some tweaks, added add a few, took out a few, changed the names of some, but like it's still mostly the Dawn War pantheon. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's good. It's a good. It's good. Yeah. It's a good pantheon. But uh, oh yeah, so uh, first is Pan, God of Wine, Music, and the Wild. Uh, the Festival of Pan is the yearly feast and celebration following every single rut. So remember I told you they celebrate? That's the festival they hold. Okay. Uh, the other deity they honor is Skerritt, the god of the centaurs. We talked a little bit about him in the centaurs episode. Um, <laughs> not much because the centaurs don't really like him or it's care big, about him. Yeah, the satyrs do. It's like it's vaguely <laughs> like us, slightly more majestic. Yeah, right. So the satyrs <laughs> consider Skerritt to be the god of the hunt. And uh, they hold a monthly ceremony under the full moon where multiple bands will engage in mock hunts and wrestling matches. The winners of these events earn a month-long title called Hunter. So okay. they'll be hunters. Uh, and they are the honor guard of the chiefs of, yeah, of the bands. Okay. So, and that, that cycles every month. I mean, honestly, these guys are just out there being bros and having fun. That's what it like, sounds yeah, there's like. There's just a bunch of frat boys out there just having a good time. <laughs> just naked. <laughs> They're just naked. They're just naked. They don't need pants. They're like, they have fur bottoms. They're good. It's so true. They have pants. Nipples out, pants Nipples out. in the mouth, yeah. wine in hand. Indeed. So the life of a satyr uh, does not begin with a band. Um, most satyrs are born of a union between a dryad and satyr. We talked about this in the dryad and trance episode, but mm-hmm. we're talking a little bit about it here and now. Um, when they're born, a dryad raises their child within their grove. As children, satyrs are extremely shy, but very inquisitive about their forest home. Once a satyr reaches a adolescence, um, they're sent to venture forth and seek out their father's band. Once and if they find the band, they'll be welcomed very jovially and, you know, just welcomed in. Like, hey, you made it. <laughs> um, yeah. So satyr- you must find your father's band. Uh, according to this poster I found, they're touring in the northeastern Feywilds. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, Good time job. to go. <laughs> you found them. You found them, Johnny. Uh, so satyrs reach adulthood by age 15. So the age... A little quicker, but they live roughly 200 years on average. So, you know, they're fae. They're going to live a little bit longer than your average humanoid. Uh, any questions on satyrs before we get into their stats? And then I'm going to spit a custom satyr race out at you because I was a little peef that we don't have one yet. We have weird pygmy centaurs, but we don't have satyrs. <laughs> Not happy about it. Uh, my question is, do you think that they would play Coachella? Oh, definitely. What about Stagecoach? Uh, maybe less so. Less. I, heard, I heard Diplo well, was at Stagecoach. I don't, I don't know who that is. Don't worry about it. Okay, cool. Let's move on. So let's uh, talk about the stater uh, monster block. So the monster block is, I'm going to be quite frank, fucking boring. Um, <laughs> it's, it's challenge rating one half, which is fair, whatever, but like it just doesn't do much. So 14 armor class, if they're wearing leather armor, uh, 31 HP, uh, dexterity 16, charisma 14, that should be switched, and everything else is like 12 or lower. Um... The only feature they get is magic resistance. A satyr has advantage of saving throws against spells and other magical effects. That's cool. That's really good. Um, I, I that's the only feature they get. They get nothing like musical or anything like that. They get nothing. No, no type of charm ability. No type of woo ability. Nothing like that. They just get ram, short sword, and short short bow, which do exactly what you think they would. Yeah, totally. But there is a really cool variant, which should just be standard, if you ask me. 
called satyr pipes. Okay. So let's read this. A satyr might carry pan pipes that it can play to create magical effects. Usually, only one satyr in a band carries such pipes. If a satyr has pipes, it gains the following additional action option. Pan pipes. The satyr plays his pipes and chooses one of the following magical effects. A charming melody, a frightening strain, or a gentle lullaby. Any creature within 60 feet of a satyr that can hear the pipes must succeed on a DC 13 wisdom saving throw or be affected as described below. Other satyrs and creatures that can't be charmed are unaffected. Mm. An unaffected creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns and in the effect, yada, yada, yada. If you save, you're immune for 24 hours. So here are the effects. Charming melody. The creature is charmed by the satyr for one minute. If the satyr or any of its companions harms the creature, the effect ends immediately. Okay. Frightening strain. The creature is frightened for one minute. Gentle lullaby. The creature falls asleep and is unconscious for one minute. The effect ends if the creature takes damage or if someone takes an action to shake the creature awake. Oh, wow. So this one variant makes encountering uh, a... Um, band of satyrs that are willing to fight you much more interesting. Yes. Because while the rest are just like warriors, which are kind of challenging in their own right, we have one like supporting dude in the background just fucking shit up. So that makes <laughs> makes that makes it much more interesting because just the plain stat block, so boring. Yeah, it's it it would make for a more interesting combat where it's basically like you have a spellcaster. Yeah, basically. Group. And yeah. they should. So <laughs> there that is. So um, kind of like a bunch of satyrs with like baseball bats, just like rolling. <laughs> yeah. And then one dude just playing a loot. So, yeah. One guy's just playing music and the other guys are like beating your ass to the to tune. The beat. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> hilarious. So um, but, uh, I want you to think of another satyr ability that you would like to add to on top of that. Like on top of that, I'll give you mine first because I've been thinking about it for a while. Disguise kit where they put on the rest of the goat over them and they just pretend they're goats. <laughs> Pretend they're goats. <laughs> They'd be huge fucking goats. They'd be dire goats. DC DC twenty wisdom check to to discern if it's a real goat or not. That's stupid, but I also <laughs> love it. So good job. I like that one. Um, they should probably get Fey ancestry. Okay. Um, because I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but some of the lore states that um, they're very difficult to charm because they're Fey origin. But charming them is actually really detrimental to the charmy, especially if they're a female, because they're already predisposed to be super flirtatious and like boners overly touchy anyway so by charming them you just make them a hundred times more obnoxious and inappropriate how's this for blue orange morality they're sitting next to you on a plane and they get up and they don't go butt first or they don't even think about it actually you know that debate where it's like do i go butt first or crotch facing by like past the people in the aisle oh gotcha gotcha they do not consider that they do not consider it they choose the wrong way every time yeah they knock Um, over your drinks with their you know so i'm actually i am actually surprised that there isn't yeah i'm sorry i'm just moving on (laughs) i am actually surprised that there isn't a stator racial block like an official one Uh um because we have a centaur one and we have a minotaur one and the centaur one we have is stupid and the minotaur (laughs) one we have is good and we should have a stator one that is at least okay so I ended up making one really quickly. Obviously, I haven't balanced this or anything. I jotted this down in five minutes. But if I were to do a stator race, it'd look something like this. Uh, plus two to charisma, plus one to constitution. Constitution, because they seem to be a hearty bunch. They like to brawl a lot. Yeah, they're like <clears> ramming <throat> their faces into each other. Exactly. They're so, drinking yeah. all the time. And they're out in the wild, so you got to be kind of hearty to just live out there. With thick, burly um, hair. Yeah, I would give them fey ancestry, like what elves have. So uh, advantage and charm saves immunity to being put to sleep. Um, they should be proficient in uh, the performance skill and in at least one instrument of their choice. Just seems to fall in line with their lore. Uh, give them dark vision because they're fey. Uh, they got a natural weapon with the horns, so that's like a D6 plus strength mod. Bludgeoning damage. 
Um, I would give them the pan pipes variant ability with these added effects. So <clears throat> I would make it so they can only do it once per short long rest because it can be a little bit powerful, especially level one. Um, I would make the DC save rather than like a flat 13 or whatever it is. It should be eight plus charisma mod plus your proficiency mod. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, it should, rather than being worded of any creature that hears it, it should be any creature that you choose within the range because it would be really detrimental to do that when your party's around. Yeah. Um, and, oh, yeah, I would change it. I would probably change the ability name front pan pipes to, like, something else because I, I, I want it to kind of fall in line with the proficiency and instrument of your choice. So it should be music played with whatever the instrument they chose for the racial proficiency Okay, can have this pan pipes, like, charming effect. Cool. And that okay. that would be my custom Seder race. Like I think it's simple, straightforward. I mean, like that that seems satisfactory to me. I would add pack tactics to it. Pack tactics? Why? Yeah, because I really like the the image of like that team of of satyrs with baseball bats. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Maybe there's a sub a they, sub race. They look like Johnny Bravo, and they're beating your ass, and they have advantage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I take it you have no more questions about satyrs. It's no. I mean, they're pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, let's uh, get ready for our long rest. Okay. And uh, the thing I want to tell our audience about is our 5e live play here on YouTube and also in podcast form, Super Quest Saga, show where we here at the Dungeon Cast sit around the table and play some D&D, except for it's not normal D&D. It's space sci-fi D&D. And uh, there's all kinds of robots and lasers and space elves and technology, also a lot of magic. Um, so, yeah, if you guys are interested in any of that and want to see us play some D&D, Check us out here on YouTube or in the link below, uh, sending you to the podcast app. Yeah, we're on we're on SoundCloud, just like uh, our normal podcast here, mm-hmm. um, which means we're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, all that good, all that good times. Indeed. On Spotify, blah 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 blah. <laughs> and with that being said, I think we can call it a game. Let's do it. And we'll talk to you guys later. Calling it a game. <laughs> Disgusting permanent boners. It's not, not what I had in mind when we started this show. <laughs> Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.